0: Welcome to this episode of Mission Business, a podcast about good business for those in the business of good, presented by your part-time controller, LLC, also known as YPTC. My name is Jennifer Oliva, the host of Mission Business and managing partner at YPTC. On this episode of Mission Business, I spoke with Kimberly O'Donnell, Vice President of Fundraising and Professional Services at Network for Good our conversation covers how the pandemic has dramatically affected how nonprofits fundraise, advancements in fundraising technology such as AI and live streaming, and what's next for Network for Good and the future of fundraising. Network for Good helps small nonprofits cultivate donor relationships and advance their missions with simple, smart fundraising software, personal coaching, and online resources. A mission-driven, certified B Corporation, Network for Good has supported 400,000-plus nonprofit leaders since 2001 and has pioneered the online fundraising space, dispersing over $4 billion in donations to date. And now, my conversation with Kimberly O'Donnell. Hi, Kimberly. Welcome to Mission Business Podcast. It's so great to see you. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having Uh, me. We know each other going back a little ways. Um, YPTC and Network for Good have been working together. Network for Good's a client uh, of ours and uh, also a partner in webinars that we've done together. Um, I love having this opportunity to reach out to your clients, our clients, and the whole nonprofit world in general. It's so great to have you.
1: Oh, thank you. And, you know, we um, we really rode the wave last year during the pandemic um, as we did those webinars and um, around the legislation that was coming out and, and really how to navigate. Um, all of the loan programs and things that were out there. And and so I just want to say thank you. It was our pleasure. (laughs) For being our partner and informing literally thousands and thousands of nonprofits about um, their options because um, it meant uh, dollars for them and uh, more support towards their missions in the long run Absolutely, during the pandemic. Absolutely.
0: It was so necessary. And we were so grateful to have your platform for Network for Good to to, uh, partner with you and do that. So it was wonderful. Um, So let's start out. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Kimberly.
1: Sure, sure. Um, So I've been working in the nonprofit sector for more than 25 years. Um, I have been an executive director of a small nonprofit. I have worked at the third largest charity in the U.S. and then, you know, was at an association as a chief um, philanthropy officer and uh, have also worked in the tech sector um, at organizations that were supporting nonprofit fundraising. Um, I also serve as a personal fundraising coach now at Network for good. I manage our personal fundraising coach program where we have um, 26 coaches working across the country with um, more than a thousand nonprofits, really helping them to focus in on their nonprofit strategy so that they can raise more money from individual donors. And I'm also a certified life or executive coach, um, which uh, has been a really great experience because um, I've learned how to be quiet. And listen more to others and ask questions that can really help others unlock um, decisions in in terms of what they want to do with their life. Um, And then formerly for 11 years, I was an adjunct professor at Georgetown and George George Mason Universities, where I um, taught a class on nonprofit management and leadership. So I am passionate about the nonprofit sector and fundraising and just working with small to medium-sized nonprofits to really help them scale the dollars raised so that they can truly Make a difference and a, a
0: greater impact um, with their mission. Your passion really does shine through uh, for the nonprofit. It's a flaw.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I feel the same it's way. It's a flaw to have this much energy. I, I, I feel
0: the same way about uh, the nonprofit sector uh, doing so. You know, doing so many so much good for so many, and um, and the connection between uh, all of your um, fundraising background. and as well as the technology that you have worked in before, too, really must be a great fit at Network for Good. So let's get into a little bit about Network for Good and the technology that they provide to nonprofit organizations. Um,
1: as a little bit of background, Network for Good has been around since 2001, and we actually pioneered the online Fundraising space, um, and today we have a .org side of the business that partners with groups like Facebook and Google and Patagonia, and then in 2013 we actually spun off a for-profit um, B Corp, um, which is the most for-profit nonprofit type of business that you can have, and uh, we created uh, fundraising software that really truly provides simple and smart fundraising software for small to medium-sized nonprofits. Um, So our goal is to provide an all-in-one solution for communications, fundraising, and events so that nonprofits don't have to work harder, they can work smarter, and it can all be in one place synced together. Since the pandemic, we've really been focusing in on the essential technology that's needed to support nonprofits and also um, encouraging and educating um, nonprofits around uh, where the future is going and how they can grab a hold of it <laughs> right and and um not just ride the wave but thrive that wave right yes. like really get out there and fundraise more expertly and um and you know uh, learn new technology and put themselves in a place where they will be successful post pandemic
0: there's been a lot of innovations uh around the use of different technologies i know we have been uh using electronic bill pay systems bill.com uh, for one uh with our clients. And we've also um, had a lot to do with the QuickBooks online connection with the Network for Good fundraising software. Uh, And we can talk a little bit about that uh, more later. But Uh, What other innovative uh, technology options have you guys put into place since the pandemic?
1: So, as we stepped into the pandemic, we um, immediately started offering a ton of webinars and just producing um, content. Um, Our team of personal fundraising coaches, we're in a place with Network for Good because we don't just provide fundraising software, although that's very important. We also have the knowledge and expertise with these fundraising coaches um that are working one on one with nonprofits to kind of be feet on the ground listening and learning and then also having the long uh, you know time expertise in fundraising to put it all together and say oh okay what's essential for organizations right now and so we um we uh, had a campaign last year um, around you know COVID can't stop good. We said, and we were really promoting lots of different fundraising tips and, and practices. One of those things mm-hmm. was around um, the use of video, so that and that really gained a lot of traction. We had we had recently introduced a, a tool within our fundraising software where you could do one-on-one videos and or group videos, and um, so our clients were using these videos as a way oh. to thank their donors. Interesting. So someone would give like a hundred dollar gift or something and immediately they would receive back a personal, you know, 30 second video um, where they were able to see the person who received it and, you know, get that thank you note. And what was really interesting about it was just how popular it was and what a connection it brought to those donors and supporters of those individual uh, those organizations. Um, you know, it's really cool if you have, if you're, <laughs> if you're a, uh, a humane uh, shelter or you are an environmental group or something, you have a beautiful, you know, uh, background or some animals or something that you can be holding as you're saying, thank you. But, but for every other type of organization, they too could show, Hey, you know, this made a difference and we really value your support. What happened then um, was that there were a number of these donors who were, you know, particularly moved. They had never received anything like this um, before. So they would either make a second larger gift wow. immediately or or again within six months. So we saw it as a wonderful motivator to really spur donor retention and giving and just make that super personal connection that was COVID friendly. Um, And it really has gained hold.
0: So let's uh, change gears and talk about the research that you and uh, Network for Good, your team at Network for Good have been doing around fundraising technology. Where do we even start with that?
1: Mm, great question. Um, you know, we as we were rolling through the pandemic, we were going, all right. Well, what's next? Because we need to begin to envision what those products mm-hmm. look like too. Um, as a software company, we want to be able to um, be out ahead of others and and really building um, the technology that our nonprofits are going to need to move forward. And um, and so you know, one we, we we spoke about video. That was one piece of it. But the around the research. Side, we went and we surveyed our um, uh, our the nonprofit sector and um, we asked them hey what do you what do you think the future of fundraising will look like? How much time do you think that you need to be spending fundraising, and um, and what technology? If we were to give you a couple of different options, what types of technology would you be using and finding essential over the next three years? And we had some surprising responses. Can't wait to hear them. So let's start with um, the sector's aptitude for technology, because I think that sort of lays things up really well. Um, we asked uh, the survey participants um, what best described their adoption of fundraising technology. Are they early adopters? Uh, Do they go with the crowd? Or are they super careful? And the results showed that um, 77% either go with the crowd or are very careful and cautious. Mm. And this surprised me because I I thought there would be more early adopters. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I thought that there would be some some more folks who would say, yeah, we want to use technology. Sometimes we can't afford it, but we find ways, right? Um, But I I think this is something that is a challenge to our nonprofit Mm -hmm. sector. We have so many, we have 1.5 million nonprofits here in the U.S., Mm -hmm. And if 77% of them, uh, you know, if we were just to say that, if 77% of them said, hey, I I either am really careful or I go with the crowd when it comes to technology, I ask you, how will we ever truly solve our country's biggest social problems?
0: Yeah, it's, right? it's impossible, you know,
1: if we're not using technology yeah. to do so, and if, 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 such a large chunk of the sector are so hesitant Mm -hmm. to use technology and we know technology drives innovation and it drives human evolution right we see that in the medical space we see that in banking and business you know we know that technology and in in personal communications and consumerism Mm -hmm. like we know that it drives the future so i ask the sector and i'm being provocative here why Why can't we as a sector begin to use technology to drive our own evolution in solving our country's biggest problems and
0: really executing on our missions um, in bigger ways? Yeah, I mean, it's been ingrained in the nonprofit sector for a very long time about the overhead myth and uh, using funds for anything other than uh, programs in many ways, and and being innovative like that has been very challenging for this sector forever. But I believe, and I think perhaps your research has indicated this a little bit, that people are starting to feel a little bit better about using technology. I mean, certainly uh, your uh, Network for Good user group is um, getting more comfortable with it. Oh, absolutely,
1: and you know we we need to have you know, fundraising software out there. People need to be doing that over using Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> Excel spreadsheets are just we're not the way of the future. We're, we're not a fan.
0: I mean, we <laughs> wait a minute. Let me just back up here. We love Excel spreadsheets at your part-time controller. <laughs> However, to track your fundraising, not a good thing, uh, nor your accounting. So let's <laughs> just keep it right, that
1: way. Right, right. It's smart to have software. It's smart to be able to use uh, accounting software. You know, we have our QuickBooks integration yep. with you. Um, and uh, and so that's those are the essentials. Um, and I encourage everyone who doesn't have something like that to truly, you know, dive in and look at that. Um, another thing that we began to see around um technology is we asked um we asked folks all right well here are four things here are four different types of technology um which would you which do you think that you would use in the next um three years and again the results to me were shocking drum roll right (laughs) um would you in the next three years use qr metric barcodes you know those uh, barcodes like you do when you're ordering mm -hmm. food now at a restaurant Mm -hmm. so you don't have to touch menus and Mm -hmm. things um would you use artificial intelligence Mm -hmm. um you know and this is for fundraising right so um so you know you would have software and you would have prompts that would um Uh, prompt you to engage with different donors and prospects at different Mm -hmm. times based on their activities and also just Mm -hmm. you know timing um the third one is online gaming or you know being part of gaming communities there are so 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 many people out there who are um actually you know active gamers Mm -hmm. um and uh I, i think i looked it up and there's like two Two hundred and twenty-seven million um, people in the U.S. play video mm-hmm. games. Okay, mm-hmm. so so would you you would you go to that community and um, do online right. fundraising mm-hmm. through the okay. gaming, um, or would you use a chatbot? Mm-hmm. Use a chatbot on your website yeah. to engage mm-hmm. people. So those are the four things. Yes. QR metric Mm -hmm. barcodes, artificial intelligence, Mm -hmm. online gaming, Mm -hmm. um, fundraising, or chatbots. Jennifer, what do you think the answer was?
0: I'm going to guess the QR code. Bingo! And 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 easiest. Let me ask you a question. Right.
1: It's the easiest and it's free. mm -hmm. Right. You could go out and get get a barcode and and set it up and use it. So that's super easy to set up. What I wanna pose, and again, yeah. this is me being provocative and putting my coaching mm-hmm. hat on. How is that gonna transform your fundraising? Yeah. How 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 is that really gonna make a major transformative difference in your nonprofit's fundraising? Yeah. It's a nice to have, right? Like you can put it in, um, you know, a solicit. Let's say that you're doing a direct mail piece and you put that QR code on there. Well, then somebody doesn't have to mail back the check, right? They can just go to your donation page and you don't have to send them to, you know, the link where they then have to go try and remember what it is and then go look it up. So it's it's super easy from a fundraising standpoint to have this available. And I love it as a tool. So don't get me wrong. But that is not going to transform fundraising for nonprofits.
0: What is your feeling of the the biggest transformative technology coming down the pike?
1: Well, I would say out of the, the list of four there, artificial intelligence is mm-hmm. everywhere, right? We're using it, you know, consumers are using it in every single way. When you go on to Netflix, you're being served up suggestions for shows that you should watch. Um, you know, it's in the bank, it's it's in every industry. Um, so it's very common and that is transforming, um, you know, uh Businesses, but again, nonprofits are going. Mm, but not us. We we don't know what yeah. that is really. Yeah. So we don't know that we want to use it, yeah. and it sounds expensive. Yeah. Now, I, I would say, and and I get that. Like we just don't mm-hmm. know. But I would also put out there, like when it comes to um, fundraising through gaming. Mm-hmm. Um gaming is big. Huge. <laughs> it's huge. And I found a report um it was the North American Gaming Almanac report um from for their 2019-2020 edition. And what they said that the, was that the charitable gaming market in North America is worth approximately 2 billion dollars and is growing at a rate of 3.4%. So your peers, your nonprofit peers out there, some of them have found a way to raise a lot of money through this um, channel. And there are so many organizations who are like, "Mm, I don't know what it is. And it just sounds like young, you know, young people. Do they have any money?
0: Are they going to be able to donate?
1: (laughs) Well, their family has it, right? Like if they're a teenager, they either will go to mom or dad or grandma Mm -hmm. and say, hey, there's this fundraiser happening. And, you know, can you contribute? Um, I know Network for Good has some really awesome um, clients who are raising hundreds of thousands of dollars through this channel. And, um, And so it's an option out there. There, that a lot of people are going, ah, but I have older donors, so this doesn't apply to me. And I guess what I would say to that, as they and, and as I wrap up sort of just this thought around um, what technologies are out there for the future, is we as a sector need to understand that, um, that our donors today are not necessarily our donors of mm-hmm. tomorrow. And we will begin to lose our share of wallet as we fundraise if we're only fundraising to a certain group of people. Um, I encourage every listener to think about who their future donors are. Three years down the road, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, because you have to start nurturing those relationships today. And if you're still only talking to middle aged and older um, individuals, then you're missing a tremendous opportunity to educate a younger audience, a very passionate younger audience, about your cause and begin fundraising with them and starting that wonderful donor journey that could last decades
2: if you began engaging them in the right way now. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to Mission Business Podcast. My name is Carol Melvin, and I'm a senior manager and leader in YPTC's Washington, D.C. office. YPTC is currently hiring nationwide. We offer a flexible work environment, 35-hour standard work week, perks and incentives, full benefits, as well as full and part-time positions to fit your needs. The best part? You can use your accounting skills for good and directly impact the success of amazing nonprofit organizations. At YPTC, we know that a career is not one-size-fits-all. We are dedicated to a workplace guided by trust, support, education, integrity, equity, community, and strong relationships. YPTC is consistently recognized for its strong and employee focused culture. Most recently, we appeared on Inc. Magazine's best places to work list and ranked second in accounting today's best accounting firms to work for. So what's next? Are you ready to love your job? Apply today on YPTC.com or contact careers at YPTC.com. We can't wait to meet you.
0: Part of your survey uh, was regarding fundraising challenges that uh, survey respondents were having, uh, not only now, but in the future. What, was, what did they have to say about that?
1: We gave them six different options and asked them to share which ones they thought were going to be the biggest challenges uh, that they would have over the next um, three years. And um, so here are the six ones, six answers real quick. Um, uh, pandemic, after effects, changing technology and data. So we've been talking about technology today, you know, so all of the changes that are occurring with it. Um Rising donor expectations, um, like they want to be communicated with really fast um, or they have demands where they want certain recognition. Spending enough time fundraising. Diversity, so DEI, diversity and inclusion challenges, as well as retaining donors. So those are the six things. Now, this is an aha for me and my peers, because um, the first three things you cannot control as a nonprofit executive or a nonprofit person, you can't control the pandemic's aftermath effects No, no. at all. You can't and, control changing technology and data. You can, you know, learn mm-hmm. more about it and, and begin using uh-huh. it, um, but you can't control it and you can't, necessarily control rising donor expectations, that's a reaction that Mm -hmm. you would have. So those are all reactive things. What's interesting is that the things that they felt that were not challenging are the proactive solutions, spending time fundraising, um, focusing on diversity and inclusivity Mm -hmm. at their organization, and retaining donors. And what the biggest shock to me was, is that in the U.S., the average donor retention rate uh, among nonprofits is 43%. And there and, and yet nonprofits are telling us that retaining donors isn't as big a challenge as all those other things. Yeah. And it's within their control. Like that's something that you can control. And yet, mm, I don't think I'm going to do it. And by the way, that's a transformative thing that they can control. Because if you move the needle Mm -hmm. from 43% up to something much higher, and we at Network for Good have done a ton of research around what we call subscription Uh giving, which is um, focusing on... Treating donors like subscribers to Mm -hmm. your organization, you can ask them if they'd like to subscribe to your organization and give regularly and then give them content Mm -hmm. that shows impact Um, that can move the needle. Um, Worrying about the pandemic's aftermath effects is something that that you can't do anything about and will not move the needle on your organization. Um, you can focus on bringing a you know, DEI into your organization. You can do that and that's important. So I found those results really surprising.
0: What would you tell, you know, very specifically, uh, one of your customers uh, that is receiving coaching from you, what should they do first, second and third?
1: Um, One, audit what you're doing um, from an individual gift standpoint. Um, Two, really think about what technology you're using and how you can work smarter and not harder. Some of the Survey data showed that people believed that they needed to spend far more time fundraising in the future. Um, in some cases, seventy percent more fundraising. But but every single group that we looked at said yes, I need to spend more. Um, do you need to spend more time, or do you just need to work more wisely and be more proactive in your fundraising? Right. And then three, and this is huge when it comes to fundraising. Huge is having the courage to step. Out of your comfort zone and really fundraise, and and I say that in many different ways. Um, people don't like to fundraise; I, it's I, not easy. I, I would say probably ninety percent <laughs> of people do not feel fun- comfortable fundraising, right, Jennifer? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you've done yes, a bunch of fundraising yourself. How does it it's, feel? It's a tough ask, and it's 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 hard. And that's what I hear. All the time. It's hard. I'm scared. I'm afraid. I don't want to ask people for money. I feel like I'm I'm selling something and they're not necessarily getting something in return. Please cast away all of those fears and just and just realize that when it comes to fundraising, you are a conduit for your organization's mission. That's right. Your organization is a conduit for the impact that the donor wants to see in the world, the change that the donor wants to see in the world. So all that you're doing when you are asking somebody to make a contribution is you are inviting them to support your mission, not your organization, but your mission, the outcome, right? And when you realize that, then you realize mm, I'm just putting it out there. And and also that donor has the opportunity to say no, and that's totally fine. And that's no nothing wrong. You're, there's nothing wrong with you if they say no. But the thing is, is that they need to be asked, and they need to be asked more than once or twice a year because we care about causes more than once or twice a year. We just
0: give because those are the only times that we're asked. Now, I think about the opportunity. Opportunity that is lost if the donor isn't asked uh, because that donor is missing out on something that they really could be contributing to in a meaningful way for them and really I think of it when fundraising it's not really selling when you really believe in the mission of the organization and bringing it and that message to others and it really feels good to make a difference that way so yeah I, I've done my share of fundraising and but you know, it has to be something that you truly, truly believe in. And I think uh, there's a lot of people out there that are are excellent at that and are um, really proving their passion for their mission while doing it. Um, So what is next in the future for Network for Good, for fundraising?
1: At Network for Good, um, we're continuing to look at ways in which we can create new technology that will allow are um, wonderful small and medium-sized nonprofits to be able to fundraise and engage their um, donors and supporters in new ways. Um, One of those ways in this past year was by creating a virtual um, and hybrid events platform. Super cool. Um, And and what makes it different from, from anything else that is out there is that you're able to live stream um, your event on one page where a person can register or buy tickets or sponsor an event right you go to that page and then you're going to come back to that same page that webpage for the event where it's going to be live streamed and there's a donate button there and there could even be you know the do- the, the thermometer that shows what the goal is and there's a chat feature so you're able to engage with others as it's going as that event is going and you can link to an online auction so your fundraiser is in one place. And this is really awesome because it's it, it can be used even for in-person events um, or a hybrid event where you want to be able to live stream a portion of the event. And um, and it's wonderful for, for virtual events. Um, virtual events are the future. Mm-hmm. They are not going to go mm-hmm. away. And we had some survey data that showed that as well, where we saw that there's just a high number of um, virtual mm-hmm. and hybrid yeah. events that are going to occur. And what's great about it was that um there are so many other people from different geographic areas who can now support your mission participate pop in it's wonderful for introverts Mm -hmm. or those (laughs) who um who have accessibility issues and maybe can't get to the venue so there's just it's it's the wave of the future and i encourage organizations to begin to think about how they're going to build that more into their event planning in
0: the future That is uh, really excellent. Kimberly, it has been such a pleasure having you on Mission Business Podcast. I am psyched to uh, go out and fundraise for my causes. And you really are a motivator. This has been terrific. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was my conversation with Kimberly O'Donnell, Vice President of Fundraising and Professional Services at Network for Good. To learn more about Network for Good, visit networkforgood.com. Up next, we will hear from YPTC's own Geraldine Dressler in our Ask the Controller segment, featuring YPTC manager, Glenn Devenish.
3: Hello, and welcome to Ask the Controller. Our guest, Glenn Davenish, is a manager in our Washington, DC office who manages our client work with Network for Good. Glenn, thank you so much for being with us today.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me, Gerald, and I'm very excited.
3: Kimberly talked about the importance of technology and nonprofits achieving their mission, so we're gonna focus on that today. YPTC was actually quite instrumental in helping Network for Good connect their platform to QuickBooks Online. Can you tell us a little about what the need was and then what the solution was?
4: Yeah, sure. Uh, as you heard Kimberly talk about it, uh, you know, there's essentially two entities uh, under Network for Good. One is the for-profit and the other side is the nonprofit or the dot org. And that's where we started our work. Uh, we brought in our associate, Larry Kaplan. Who was very experienced with their accounting software and and he focused on uh various projects and in working on those and then subsequently the for-profit side of the organization uh, they were needing assistance on a project to integrate their donor management software with quickbooks online so they reached out to us and you know because larry was already working there uh, we paired him with another associate to help them with that effort. Uh, and their focus is really on answering questions, you know, providing them guidance and direction from the accounting and finance side. Uh, and at one point we even brought over a panel of associates to uh, again, answer questions and, and provide them with, with best practices. Uh, so as you would expect, you know, it ended up being a success and uh, transferring the data today from the donor platform over to QuickBooks Online you know, is really as simple as clicking a button.
3: Yes. And that's what we expect these days as, you know, as users of technology, right? That it should Mm -hmm. be as simple. So that's great that YPTC was able to help Network for Good do that with a huge benefit to their nonprofit clients.
4: Yeah, definitely.
3: So speaking of tech more broadly, how are you seeing technology adoption play out at your clients?
4: Yeah, so with the pandemic, that pushed organizations you know, in this direction, right? Uh, there's going to be a high percentage of clients that are performing their accounting and finance functions, if not completely, uh, you know, then mostly in a virtual environment. Uh, certainly, the tools are getting better, uh, and those are continuing to improve. But there's three areas that really benefit from a virtual environment. Um, first area is going to be accessibility. Uh, the second one's going to be efficiency and the third security. Uh, accessibility, that's pretty straightforward. But, you know it's self-explanatory. you can access your software, your documents, your information from anywhere as long as you have an internet connection. Um, with efficiency, you know that's going to be heightened as well. Uh, the best example of this is a bill payment system, something like a bill.com. Uh, you know gone is the need to send a physical check to somebody for them to physically sign the check Uh, you can have multiple approvers anywhere in the world uh, approving these payments heck they could even be sitting on their couch uh and approving these payments uh, because you've eliminated those physical barriers
3: no need Um, to uh, chase board members around town for signatures anymore right
4: no no that's completely out of the picture with this arrangement um you know and of course there's a cost to this uh, but people forget that there's you know there's a cost to buying checks to buying the envelopes to buying the stamps uh, and, and ultimately, just storing those documents for an indefinite period of time. Right. Um, so finally, you know, there's, there's the, there's the uh, security around this. Um, you know, you can set up your approvers and signers to mimic the check signing procedures. Uh, you know, those approvals provide not only controls, but, uh, you know, they provide the documentation and, and it can be stored virtually and electronically for everyone to access uh, and that creates a level of security, you know, around the information for within your organization. And uh, obviously, when audit time rolls around, which it inevitably does, uh, you know, it's going to make it easier for your audit- auditors and ultimately, who doesn't want to make it easier for their auditors?
3: Yeah, it seems like the pandemic really brought to the forefront the imperative of adapting technology, you know, to work smarter. And hopefully mm-hmm. that is something that's here to stay and it'll be top of mind for nonprofits to, you know, work smarter and not longer to do all these behind the scenes activities to achieve their mission. So finally, what's the coolest thing that you've seen while working with Network for Good?
4: Yeah, so I think what's really cool is their platform, right? And their platform brings together the donor data, communications, Uh, fundraising, uh, performance tracking, and ultimately the accounting all into one place. So I think what's really neat is that they've created basically a one-stop shop uh, for small nonprofits.
3: Again, working smarter and not longer. Uh, All right. Thanks, Glenn. We appreciate you joining us today.
4: Yeah. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Mission Business Podcast. We look forward to bringing you more stories of innovation and perseverance from nonprofits around the world. I want to thank the team at PWP Video for their guidance and assistance in the development and production of this podcast. They are a great partner for Media with a Mission, and you can find them at pwpvideo.com. Additional information about this episode can be found at missionbusinesspod.com. And follow us on social media at Mission Business Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. A very special thank you to our guests on this episode, Kimberly O'Donnell from Network for Good and Glenn Devonish, manager at YPTC. I'd also like to thank the team from Network for Good for all of their input and support. This podcast was produced by Erica Blair and Geraldine Dressler of Your Part-Time Controller, LLC. Dave Winston and Michael Schweisheimer are the producers from PWP Video. And the show is directed and edited by Pat Ganley. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Jennifer Oliva, Managing Partner at Your Part-Time Controller, LLC. And we'll see you next time here on Mission Business Podcast.